You're listening to Boca Banter with Joe High and Chris Golden. Today's episode features a special interview with YouTuber and landscape photographer Ben Horn. The, the technical side of things, you know, it's just a part of photography. But just the fact that the camera actually full on disappears, that's, that's, that's pretty rewarding really when it comes down to it. Welcome back everybody to Boca Banter. I'm Joe High. And Chris Golden. And we are joined by special guest, Ben Horn. Hey, how are you guys doing? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining the show. Yes, thank you very much. I'm excited to talk to you. You have a very interesting medium that you use for photography, and I think that that's going to be something really cool to talk about. Um, So people who are listening, unless this is your first episode, you probably already know us. So Ben, could you you, you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I uh, do landscape photography, and uh, since 2009 or so, I've been shooting large format film which is a little little different these days, though things have kind of come full circle in a way where it's starting to gain a little more popularity. But yeah, it's I just go on these trips and backpacking trips and places all over in uh, in uh, southern Utah and places like Death Valley. And uh, I record video along the way as well. So I've been doing the, the YouTube thing for for quite a while also. And uh, it's it's just kind of evolved into something where it, first was just kind of for fun, but just kind of evolved into kind of a career path at a certain point. And that's kind of a, kind of fun. Kind kind of a career path. So is this, yeah, this is, uh, is this something that like you spend all of your waking hours doing or d- does Ben Horn have other endeavors that he pursues besides? This is, this is not a lot of other endeavors when it comes down to, I mean, I do have a, I have a day job. Um, actually, okay. uh, when I, I graduated from college back in 2004, and at that point, like YouTube didn't exist. Um, and so it would have been really difficult to try to pursue photography as a living. Uh, but, you know, through the years, things have have changed and it actually becomes somewhat feasible now. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually I still I, I had a strategy uh, a few years ago where I decided to take one day off my uh, my work week. And then so just working four days a week instead of five days a week. And then that evolved, uh, you know, the following year, I took it down to three days a week. And just with that extra time, sort of dedicate towards my photography and all the other stuff to do in the background and, and going on more trips. And then uh, as, as of the first of this year, I'm down to one day a week. So wow. it's kind of a this really slow transition to full time. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's I, I know a lot of people will just, you know, just jump off and just like go into it full time. But I don't know. That seems like that'd be kind of stressful. So I just found this kind of transitional approach, which has been kind of cool. That is so inspiring to hear because I'm actually doing the same nine to five Monday through Friday grind. But mm-hmm. I, I know that you're in the weekend warrior phase. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I have slowly been trying to wean myself off of that a little bit and try and develop a lifestyle that's more suitable to photography when I can when I can take it. Yeah, Chris and I both uh, primarily do more portraits and and weddings and such, so we deal with a lot more people. Um, I personally really enjoy doing landscape photography, which is how I found your channel um, and and your stories on all of your trips from from those from those kind of shoots. Uh, That's that really attracts me, but I have yet to figure out how to make it a you know full time thing. So I'm I'm doing a lot of weddings and such. But you know, the purpose of this show is to talk about photography and you know how it's, what it's brought to different people's lives uh, in a sense of being an entrepreneur, being self-employed, or just pursuing a passion, 
And um, one thing that I really like about your channel is that it's not, there's a lot of channels out there and they're useful. I don't want them to go down, but there's a lot of channels out there that are really like uh, 1700 episodes on how to use the exposure triangle. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and you can only watch so many videos on what aperture is and how to use a strobe and stuff. You, I guess you don't really have that as much because your, your medium is so unique. Um, but you really focus more on the experience of these trips that you take on it. And, and I, I know you already said this and I'm sorry, cause I, I missed one part. You said you've been doing this since 2004. Uh, well, 2004 is when I graduated from college. Okay. And I've been, I've been interested in photography since a little bit before then, but uh, it was 2009 when I started doing the, the, the trips and, uh, actually what was the story behind it was, uh, back in 2008, 2009, when the economy dropped out, um, I was, I was working at a camera shop then I still do work there now just one day a week. Um, but you know, if you're working at a camera shop and you know, the economy drops out, you know, there's not a lot of people with lots of money to spend on camera stuff. That's just kind of a luxury at that point. And so the, uh, the owners were kind of like, you know, if anyone has any ideas on what we can do to kind of stay in business, I just kind of like raised my hand. I'm like, I'll, I'll take time off. I'll just don't pay me. Just go to Utah. I'll go take some pictures there. And, uh, that was actually what started the whole, you know, going on the, the winter trip, the spring trip. And, you know, then, then the economy got better, but I still kept doing that same thing. And for many, many years, it was just, you know, unpaid trips because it just allowed me to go off and start building this portfolio. Um, and then actually kind of what, um, to what you're saying, uh, Chris, about, you know, trying to balance the day job with the other stuff. Um, I, I got to a point where I was just, I didn't have enough time in the day to do the photography stuff and have the full-time job. And so I started getting up really early so I can start doing stuff before going to work, you know, catching up on emails and stuff like that, mm -hmm. which I still do, which actually turned out to be a really, really good thing to do because it gives you that sense of uh, accomplishment as you kind of start doing stuff throughout the day. Uh, but eventually I realized I just need more time. That's why I started like, uh, you know, thankfully my job was such that I can, you know, say, Hey, I just want to work four days a week. And then, you know, I had it, you know, three day weekend basically where I can do the photography stuff and that just evolved through the year. So I know it won't work for everyone's job, but if, you know, if you have a, um, a, a day job that's willing to work with you, something like that, at least, it, you know, it serves as a pretty good smooth transition instead of just, you know, I uh, guess I don't know where my paycheck's coming from this month. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's a little, little dicey. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so, uh, tell me a little bit about your format. So, uh, large format is very fascinating to me. The more that I'm learning and reading about it. Firstly, how did you get interested? Secondly, how did you choose it to be? I, I, I from my understanding, it's your main shooting oh, yeah. format. And, and if I can add to that, like why specifically eight by 10, uh, for landscapes, especially that I know a lot of your videos now you're, you're out with your car, but in, in your first videos, you were backpacking with oh, a yeah. freaking eight by 10 backpacking trip a year. Yeah. With a freaking eight by 10 camera and a tripod. So like, why do that wow. when it would be so, yeah, it's like really heavy, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> why do that when you could take a digital, a, a good digital camera out there and get, you know, I, I actually believe that eight by 10 film yields a higher like resolution, higher quality and sharpness than even a full frame digital. Oh, by far. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that the reason that you choose eight by 10? So just to, I guess I'm adding a question into 
what Chris, Chris wants to know, like, how does it work? <laughs> and I want to know, why did you choose that instead of digital? Um, so basically with a large format, the cameras are incredibly simple. It's just a light proof box and you have, you know, the lens on one side, you got your film holder on the other side. Um, and, and the cameras are pretty, pretty simple in that sense, but you have so much control by being able to move the front and the back of cam, uh, the back of the front and the back of the cameras around independently of each other. Um, kind of giving the whole tilt shift thing. And so every lens has the ability to do perspective control and to, you know, move around your plane of focus and all that seems incredibly intimidating at first, but then you realize that it gives you so much power over the image that when you go to a camera that doesn't have that, you feel like you're kind of missing something. Um, like if I'm taking a picture in the redwoods, I can have a picture all the trees are nice and straight, but have the camera, you know, aiming up or down. Um, and all this is kind of built into it. Um, but it's, it's a very methodical process to work with these cameras. It's something where you have to think ahead of your photo. You have to figure out what light you want. You have to be patient and wait for it. So the thing about format is it's, it's kind of a Zen like experience working with it. Um, but it forces you to think ahead of the shot. And I think that is something that kind of, I think that's something that comes through in the final photo. And in the end, it leads to, um, I think, being much more satisfied with the images. Um, when it comes to the quality side of it, um, it's pretty insane. I, I Just as an example, I have this one photo I shot in the Redwoods last year. And I had a friend of mine uh, drum scan it. And drum scan is a really crazy high-resolution image. These can be hundreds and hundreds of megapixels. And this one particular image... Um, I, I'm going to be doing this art event here pretty soon. So I need to make a, a banner for it. And so I just made it where it's 10 feet wide for this image. And the banner is not going to be super high resolution. So it doesn't need that resolution. But I just sized it up to that. And it, it is it was absurdly sharp. It was kind of crazy how good it was. So Usually basically with thing, our, you'd want to be seen at a distance so that the, the poor quality isn't as detectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here the, the really cool thing about large format is you can have these huge prints, but you can put your nose up to them. And then you just have so much detail to them. And I think it's the combination of the camera equipment making you work harder for it, combined with the, you know, the fact that if everything turns out great and your quality is, you know, the focus is good, everything's good, um, it's the best images that you can shoot um, I think it builds a lot more long-term satisfaction with the uh, with the results, and oh, yeah, also absolutely. the keeper rate is pretty high, which is which is really cool. So, is it kind of the Zen aspect that really got you into the format? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think that's safe to say um, because I mean, it's I have some friends who were doing all digital, and actually, I started with digital as well. Um, but once you kind of get used to working with a large format. It's just a whole different mentality. And you feel like you're doing something, you feel like you're creating something. It's kind of hard to, to explain, but um, when you see the final result and see what all that work translated into, um, I think it builds just so much more long-term satisfaction with the images. Right, it's a much uh, more intimate process than just it taking is. the SD card and popping it into your computer. It sounds like it's even more intimate than just shooting uh, like thirty, like with an SLR, but with thirty-five millimeter film too. And again, neither of oh, you know, yeah. uh, Chris and myself, neither of us have the experience of shooting with eight by ten, eight by ten cameras. But I think we we both at least shot film before, right? Did yes. you at least do it in school. Yes. Yeah, I think you should do it more. 
<laughs> I, I certainly need to do it more, actually. That's the biggest thing I, I need to learn. I think it's great because, it, and I'm speaking specifically with an SLR that's just 35 millimeter film, but even that, because you don't have the ability to just, um, what's, the, what's the term, spray and pray? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without that you can't ability. can take a machine gun approach. Exactly. Yeah, no. Without that ability, you have to be deliberate. And I've actually found that just by shooting, again, not an 8x10, but even just shooting with uh, a roll of film, I'm, I, I'm way more deliberate with how I would shoot. And there was a period of time where I was just shooting with film for the fun of it. And then when I went back to digital for jobs, I noticed that my ratio of like even at a wedding, like the ratio of the photos that I kept versus the photos that I culled. Uh, went way high. Well, I don't know if the word is higher or lower. I kept a lot more. Right. Like if I shot yeah. a thousand photos, I was going to keep a lot more than I did before. And I really liked that. And I think that there's a, a huge value to photographers taking the time to learn how to for, forcing themselves to have to compose the f- correctly and expose correctly the first time instead of like, well, let me try 18 different things and I'll see what looks good later. Right. Now, I think that that I think that that grows you a lot more as a photographer, and I think that you're right. It's a very much a Zen process, and I would I would venture to guess that it's easier for you to be like in the moment, just viewing those those scenes and those landscapes. Um, do you think that an eight by ten camera is less of a distraction when when viewing those scenes than shooting digital or or a film SLR? Um. So the thing with with film is. So let's say that there's, there's a scene I'm photographing. So I get everything all set up and everything. And then you put the film holder in it. Once you have that, you're simply just standing next to the camera. You're not looking through a viewfinder. You're actually sitting there looking at the actual subject itself, just with a, a shutter release in hand. And it's almost like the camera kind of disappears in a way. Even though you're standing next to this big camera, it's like it's not even there. And you're just sitting there staring at the subject with your eyes, holding up a cable release and just waiting for that time when the wind settles or something is just right. And then it's just this, the thing with also with large format, which is kind of maybe surprising to some people is that the moment you actually shoot a photo with these cameras, it's, it's almost a little bit of a letdown because there's this buildup of setting up the camera, get everything set. But when you shoot the photo, it's just click, just like this tiny little click that doesn't seem proportional to the size of the camera. You would feel like there's a little bit more pomp and circumstance to yeah. it. Like you'd expect yeah, fireworks yeah, to go a clack and, and <laughs> trumpets in the background. Yeah, you, did it. You, you you expect something. I mean, like if you if you're sitting there with a mirrorless camera, it might make more of a sound than the eight by ten does. And actually, there's times if I'm sitting, uh, like there was a photo on a, a, a recent trip I took. Design it was in wintertime. I'm shooting along this river. There's this cool reflection, and so I'm I'm sitting there right next to the river. So I have to have my head right next to the camera as I click it to make sure to actually click the shutter because <laughs> otherwise I can't even hear it. So it's it's definitely a very interesting experience in that way because the camera just kind of disappears once it's set up. And so, uh, I mean, I, I don't really like the, I mean, the, the technical side of things, you know, it's just a part of photography, but just the fact that the camera actually full on disappears, that's, that's, that's pretty rewarding really when it comes down to it. Yeah. We were just talking about this in the last episode, actually. Uh, um, are you familiar with the, uh, the, the movie secret life of Walter Mitty? I've heard about it, but I've not seen it. There's one specific scene you should watch it. with a, uh, a, a film <laughs> photographer who's talking about just living in the moment and kind of not letting yourself get lost in the shot. 
Mm-hmm. And that that, yeah. that rings true for a lot. If, if anything searches. else, you should watch that movie just for the uh, the landscapes that they were shot in. Because it was in like, you know, mountains of Afghanistan and Greenland, Iceland, like these beautiful landscapes. And uh, yeah, it's worth watching. I, I had to convince Chris to watch it. And we just made it a whole subject of our last episode. But um, oh, cool. It, it, it is, we were talking about it because uh, the, the main plot of the story is about this character who is he kind of has a boring life and then he's forced into this situation where he really has to take a lot of leaps of faith and, and, and experience things that he wouldn't have been, uh, he wouldn't have had the nerve to, to do before. And we were also watching how it's important when you're in those journeys, you know, like trips to, to, uh, the national parks or, or whatever you're mm-hmm. in is to, to experience the moment and, and not be distracted by things like agendas or camera settings excuse me if you can help it so that that's why that's why i was asking about the eight by ten right there yeah yeah so there's definitely something to definitely something to be said about that and the other thing too is is there are certain things on large format that are rather intimidating to shoot so a lot of the traditional landscape stuff like the the grand landscapes you know the the huge scenes um those scenes can actually be really frustrating to shoot and when i was on my recent trip to to death valley which I'm still working on the videos and stuff for. And there was one moment where I got there at like two o'clock. I set up the camera. I'm waiting for it. And then the light just happens so fast. And I'm just, I kind of like freeze up because I, I have to like meter things and do this. And it just, it just like, I don't know. I had like a brain freeze and, and it just, it was really frustrating. But that being said, you know, when I got the film back, it still turned out fine. Um, but it also can be very frustrating at times, which is why I oftentimes go for like the smaller scenes on the ground and the, the stuff that's that's much lends itself so much better to to that format because just because all the crazy detail and, and all that, but uh, it can be frustrating at times. But you got to pick your battles, and that's actually one of the cool things about large format because it forces you to do that a little bit. Large format is one of those mediums that I have yet to try. It's like on my list. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta try a large format, but <laughs> haven't got around yeah. to it yet. Yeah, it takes a certain mindset. It really does. You can't just kind of go out and casually take photos. You have to be really just kind of like in a certain zone. And that's why I don't do any local shooting at all because uh, I really just need to like pile everything in the back of my truck and just take off for a week or so. You need to separate just, yourself from normal life. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. No, no distractions, nothing else. I just have to get out there and just focus on it because it is really a lot of work just to, to you know, do everything that needs to be done to to shoot those cameras. But um, but it does come through quite nice when everything does work out quite well. Yeah. That's, that's what I love about landscape photography is like, if you know, to do it right, you really do have to kind of go into a meditation. You have to separate yourself. I've taken, I've taken trips myself too. And I want to take you on some trips too. Just FYI, that's coming down the road. Great. Okay. <laughs> um, Boca banter on the road. Yeah. Boca yeah. <laughs> from the top of a mountain or something. Yeah. My, my, Passion, like I guess the landscapes that I like the most are, are really mountainous landscapes. So I know your your favorite park seems to be Zion. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very very lot of stuff in the pretty small park. It's, so it's, pretty, it's amazing pretty productive there. Yeah, yeah, I love I love watching those episodes from Zion, especially. Um, Have you ever been there before? Nope, it's on my list. Where I've been yeah. is more of the 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 mountains out west. So like my favorite park is uh, uh, Grand Teton National Park. Yeah, just south. Of I've, I've been there, but I've, I haven't explored it very much. But I've, I've just, oh. I was actually there for the eclipse in 2017. Oh, it was yeah. Score. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was on that the was, beach for the eclipse. 
I wasn't taking oh, any uh, pictures. <laughs> I was in a parking lot. Yeah, I wasn't lot. taking any pictures either. <laughs> <laughs> I was still trying to figure out how to not get blinded. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was saying, don't look at the sun, don't look at the sun. I'm like, wait a minute, isn't part of the sun blocked? Like, wouldn't it mean it's safer to look at the sun? But I don't know what I'm talking about. So if you're out there listening and there's an eclipse happening tomorrow, don't look at the sun. Don't don't take my You were advice. also the guy who took four really, really dark sheets of glass and put them in front of your camera to think if they'd work as a neutral density filter so you could take a shot of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't have the filter that I needed, so I was, you know, playing MacGyver, and I got those, those like it was those shields that that welders have. Mm-hmm. It was that glass. I don't even so know. I, if I, I take used it you it. weren't in the uh, the path of totality on that one. No, yeah. no, but it yeah. did get it did it did get significantly darker. We were in North Carolina, so we were still just seeing like a crescent sun, which blew my mind yeah. anyway because I had never seen a solar eclipse before. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Even like that last, because we were like right smack in the the path of totality on it. We were just right wow. at the visitor center at Grand Teton. Oh, but so. like it it was it was pretty crazy. Where you know even that last before it drops into totality, it was crazy bright. But once it dropped into it, it was it was weird. It was weird in a really good way. So it was. I Nighttime see why people are daytime. really into it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I wish I had known just, it was at right in Jackson Hole. I'd been like, "Hey, this we're not going to the beach this year. We got to go to Wyoming." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was expecting crazy crowds, but it really wasn't all that bad. And I have a friend who lives in Tennessee, and it actually just the path of totality went like straight over his house, which was wow, insane. wow, yeah. So yeah. it's definitely worthwhile if if either of you guys have the chance to view one of them in the totality. It's it's indescribable. That's the easiest way to say it. My first trip, my first like adventure, if you will, it was actually to Grand Teton National Park. And like it made it made such an impression. I actually have a tattoo of the mountainscape on my arm. Which, oh cool. Yeah, I know we're we're video chatting, but I'm not gonna bother taking off my hoodie because it's freezing and <laughs> we're not recording video, but it's there. Yeah. Um but yeah, j- just the the experience of separating myself so much, because you know, we're in New York here, so going to Wyoming is actually a pretty big deal. And totally isolating yourself. If you do go to Grand Teton, mm-hmm. what you need to do is you need to go into Cascade Canyon. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be your best hike up there. My favorite, favorite spot was, okay, there were two. Uh, one was at a, at a pass called Hurricane Pass. And there was another one, there's a lake called Lake Solitude, both of which are fantastic scenes. Um, just so there you go. If you ever go to Grand Teton, there's <laughs> they, t- they sound like they're appropriately named too. Just be, I mean, it sounds like very descriptive for how the places can be at Actually, times and perhaps most of the time. I bet Hurricane Pass normally is much windier than it is because it's like on top of a pass. But it was actually very, very still when we got there. That's good. But it was it was incredible. Lake Solitude. Yeah, you get there in the morning. the The water doesn't even like doesn't even ripple. And there's this crystal clear reflection of the of the mountains behind. It's just it's stunning. And I had never even seen mountains before. So, but um, sorry, I, I talk. I, if you get me talking about, I really really like. He does that go shit. on tangents from time. To time. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut myself off here because we have a guest today. But we do we do. I like we like talking stories on this show. So I was going to ask you. You know, you've you've taken many many trips at this point, um, and you've got many of them documented online. So I'm going to actually ask the annoying question first. What was the worst experience that you've had? Worst trip or like with um, went all south and then I'll ask yeah. the reverse. <laughs> so so that that was uh that was back in in 2017. So it wasn't too long ago. It was uh it was a trip to Death Valley 
And uh, it started with me destroying my camera. So that's it's always a great <laughs> way to start a yeah, trip. Yeah, pretty bad. Ooh. Yeah, so it was uh, one of my 8x10s. I have this thing where I'll, I'll set up a camera and then I leave it in place overnight, which sounds insane. It does. Um, I, I've seen you do that. I'm like, what is he yeah. thinking? <laughs> but that's that's like the only way to shoot some of these early morning shots. And uh, I weighted it down with a bag filled with lots of rocks. I mean, it was heavy. But still, I was sleeping in the back of my Forerunner that night and I don't know, maybe like 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that. It just My Forerunner starts getting like battered around the wind. And I knew right then there, eh, the camera's probably not so good a shape. <laughs> and so next morning, sure enough, it was uh, it was in pieces on the ground, shattered. Um, oh. I have a backup camera, so I was able to to use that. But then the next day, um, my uh, my forerunner was uh, the engine wires were enabled on by rodents, so I uh, my Wait, car was disabled. Say that again. I thought you said yeah, something so about rodents. Rodents, yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they, I thought that was. A, I thought that our Skype call was being messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, they hop up in the engine compartment and then they uh, they like to crawl up on top of the engine block, uh, hide from owls or whatever night predators are out there, and uh, they don't necessarily want to eat the wires, but they're just nice and chewable, so they'll just sit there and just start chewing on the wires. So it's the uh, the wires that go into the uh, cylinders in the engine, and then you know my six cylinder is no longer a six cylinder. So, so the wires that I, uh, you need. Wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty important wires. And I, I didn't know what it was at first because just the next morning, you know, I start up my car and just, you know, the, the the dash lights up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, oh, what's going on with this? It was running rough. It was still running. It was running <laughs> rough. And so eventually, I mean, I posted it on Twitter like, you know, what's what's going on here? And and eventually I, uh, I kind of popped the hood. I looked under there and sure enough, just, you know, just clean cut one of the wires. So I had a, uh, it's like an 80 mile flatbed pickup or flatbed uh, tow truck ride to Pahrump, Nevada. And uh, they actually got me fixed up in about an hour or so. And then I was able to drive back. But, uh, but wow. you know, e- even with destroying a camera and then having your vehicle disabled, you know, I still was, was had a pretty good, um, uh, pretty do you, good do you still look fondly on, trip. on that trip? Like looking back on it? I, I got some pretty good photos on that trip. Actually, I got some portfolio <laughs> shots. Um, the backup camera I was using, it wasn't, it was one I really struggled with. It just, it wasn't a great camera. Um, so I was still able, able to make it work. But then I also had a follow-up trip after that because I felt like I didn't end that trip on a good note. So I went back to Death Valley and then I managed to destroy my backup camera. So <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a tough year. The universe has a way of balancing itself out. Death Valley is named yeah. after the cameras <laughs> that have passed in the trips there. Yeah, so it was, and, and the, the the sad thing is, I had already kind of decided I wanted to sell that backup camera, and it was actually worth a fair amount of money. Um, but I wish I would have, you know, sold it before you know I had an opportunity to destroy it. But but again, you know, in both cases, before those cameras were destroyed, I got some pretty good pictures out of them as far as the last photos but uh but yeah that that's probably those those are not good trips and then there's also a trip this past spring um where i got swept downstream in a river on a backpacking trip with my pack on and there was a big bowl in the canyon that was angry and it was also about 90 degrees which is a little too hot to be backpacking with that a, a bowl kind of, yeah there's a big bowl in like the canyon. Bowl? yeah yeah it sounded like a dinosaur <laughs> And actually, on that trip, I also destroyed my video camera because when I went for the this, uh, so it's like you know, just a few hours into this backpacking trip, um, 
there's this river that I have to cross twice. And I've done this hike, I don't know, two, three times before. So I'm very familiar with it. The river level's a little higher than usual. I make it across the first part of the river, no problem. And then the second river crossing, um, the river changed just enough so that the area where I normally enter the river, it was eroded out. It was a lot deeper than it normally is. And the water was kind of murky and muddy, so you couldn't see the bottom. So I'm kind of feeling with my poles to get feeling for how deep it is before I cross it. At some point, what I'm standing on just kind of collapses and I find myself just falling into the river and getting swept downstream with a 60-pound pack on. Oh, man. It was, that's, uh, that's actually scary. It was a little troubling, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Though, thankfully, the way I packed my gear, it was incredibly buoyant. So it kind of acted like a life vest. Um, and I was able to regain my footing after I got swept downstream a little ways and was able to get across and all that. But when I fell in, I destroyed my video camera. Uh, the main camera, everything else was fine. Um, but then, this yeah, was in the Death day, Valley as well? No, this was in southern Utah. It was a, okay. a canyon I backed back into there in the Grand Staircase Escalante area. But then the next day, I, I hike into this tree I want to photograph. And there's I hear basically a dinosaur in the canyon. So you got these like relatively steep canyon walls. And you hear this like echoing, like roaring sound. I kind of want you to imitate and, it. Uh, actually I, I was able to record video of it on my iPhone, which was still working. So actually there's, there's a video on my YouTube channel, but it, it just full on sounds like a dinosaur. It, it was crazy. <laughs> and I, I knew it was a bull, but I'm just kind of walking up this little trail and I just, I know it's ahead of me. And eventually I, I see it. I kind of get way off to the side and give it room. And it just, it's like staring at me and kind of like going at the ground with its hooves and all that. And I'm like, is this thing going to like murder me i mean i don't know what's gonna go on here eventually it took off down canyon but uh but yeah it was it was it was an experience but i did get a cool photo from that trip and i had to cut it short because uh the next that same day i had the issue with the the bull i found that the river was still rising so i figured i got to get out of there um, but yeah those are the two stories of craziness that happens in the field <laughs> how about yeah. the flip side some of your most enjoyable moments uh, I would say my most recent one was this past fall when I was in Zion. There was this really cool maple tree I found that I was photographing. It's in this relatively narrow slot canyon. So you're kind of looking up at it, and it's backlit in this nice, soft, uh, reflected light. And just the only place that the camera could be to take that photo happened to be an area where I'm just leaning up against this rock that's like this perfect natural recliner. So it oh, was, that's the one it we, was, we were just watching that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was like the most, like, it's like this, this can't get more relaxing than this possibly is. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was nice. And, and I think a lot of that kind of comes through in the photo cause there was no wind, super calm, um, perfect conditions later that day it got windy, but, uh, but yeah, that was my, uh, my most recent memory of just like a really calm scene. That's the sort of stuff I, I certainly do enjoy. Now, I, I did want to take a moment to actually talk about your YouTube channel as well, because mm -hmm. one of the things that strikes me the most is that, you know, you watch so many photography channels or travel vlog channels or anything like that. And it's all like these super quick cuts, these crazy edits. It's got like this crazy EDM music and that kind of thing going on <laughs> in the background. And when yeah. I was introduced to your channel, it was almost like watching an episode of Survivor Man. <laughs> yeah. Where like, I, yeah, I it's love kind of going in opposite direction. Yeah. I love the way that you set up your shots. Like you, you, I, 
you know, you set the camera up at the end of this valley and then you walk all the way back and then you film yourself walking back up through the valley. And I just, I love that kind of stuff because I know how much effort goes into it. And yeah, how did you come upon that style? um, I I think a lot of it just comes from trying to convey the feeling of being there and being pretty true to the scene, which I often try to make these kind of long cuts for the video. Um, just like with a lot of natural sound. Um, I have a really good stereo mic that I use. So if there's any ever, if there's ever any like really good natural sounds, whether it's like, you know, wind through the trees or stuff like that, I try to work that into it. Um, but yeah, the whole goal is to be very true to the scene so that when people watch the videos, they, they feel like they're there and, and they're actually seeing it with their eyes. And also I'll film things in a way where I'll, I'll show something I end up photographing before I even sort of draw attention to it. So maybe as you're watching the videos, you kind of be like, oh, that's kind of cool looking. You, you kind of discover things in real time kind of as I'm discovering things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's a matter of just trying to give the perspective of being there with the natural sounds and the long cuts and not trying to dress things up to be something different than they are. And another thing too is um, what I find that some of my favorite videos to make are the ones where there's no music at all where it's only just natural sounds because mm-hmm. it's actually a lot more difficult to make a video that way. But if I end up making a whole video and I didn't have to drop a song in there, um, I, I think it is even more true in that regard because it's just, it is what it was. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of it's kind of fun to do. You do it, you do that very well. Like that's, that's one of the reasons when, when Chris was uh, asking, we were talking about interviewees and I'm like, you know, we should talk to Ben Horn. And he's like, oh, well, I'm like, oh, you got to look at his channel. He does all the, it's like you're hiking, it's like you're hiking the trail on your own. Mm-hmm. You get to, you get to hear, you get to see this kind of thing. I mean, I appreciate that because I've tried to do some, um, uh, like video documentations of the trips and I hate it. <laughs> I, I don't like yeah, the recording it, it, process. It is, yeah. It, I, it is a whole nother level of stuff. Um, but I think at a certain point, just kind of figure out what you need to make it work. And there's certain things that look really awesome on video but they don't photograph very well. Yeah. So usually if I'm hiking out and I see something, I'll, I'll see like some really cool stretch of Canyon and I'll look at it. I'm like, can I take a photo here? I'm like, I just don't see a photo here, but I'll make sure to get some video of it. Um, just because it's, it's a way of, you know, having the two different mediums of photography and the video. There's, there's a way of sharing these scenes. Even if I can't find a way of shooting a photo of it, I'll, you know, I'll find some way of showing it for me. But I just, I just love those scenes with those natural sounds and I'll, there'll be times I'm hiking somewhere. I hear some really awesome crickets. I just stop there and just record a bunch of audio of the crickets and kind of, you know, work it into the videos and other places and stuff. Just it's adds a, cool. it's the, great the because, overall vibe. you know, not only do you get the travel aspect of it, but it's almost like an ASMR effect where it's just kind of nice yeah. to hear these beautiful sounds of like the crunching of the stones and like a snap of a twig and then the wind through the trees. It's, it's such a relaxing style. I think it works really well. Yeah, actually, I'll, I'll let you in a little bit on well, not too far in my personal life, but I'll give you a little snippet because I just had a, um, well, I didn't have the baby. My wife just had a baby and oh, congrats. we are, thank you. Yeah. Six weeks to six weeks ago today, actually. Oh, wow. So, which means I'm still t- tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually having never gone through that process before, or rather never watched my wife go through that process before kind of a stressful day, as you might imagine. And at the, uh, at the hospital, when we finally got to our like recovery room and we were going to, you know, we were going to spend the night and just and chill out. And we were like, okay, you know, no more contractions, no more, all this stuff. And I was trying to settle down. I'm like, you know what? I just want to watch some YouTube 
guess which channel I went to. I kid you not. Uh, I, I got to- one guess. Go for it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It could be me. I don't know. Cutie pie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I actually, no, I was actually watching your trip to the Redwoods. Uh, I oh, went. Cool. I went to your channel because I'm like, I want to see what you know. I want to see some landscapes and stuff. But I haven't. I hadn't actually seen uh, the Redwoods, and I just thought, you know what? That looks like a trip that I'd like to take right now. You know, forests are less intimidating than the mountains, and I just would like to hear something really relaxing. It really helped. So thank you for doing those oh, episodes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, one of the things with those trips is just the, the there, there's no way to capture the actual true feeling of being there, but man, it was fun. There was so much like the bird sounds to work with and just all the beautiful scenes and all that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to heading back there again this year now that I've kind of getting a little more feeling for it, but, but yeah, it's just, it's such a calm place and, I, and I'm glad that that came through in the, in the videos because it, oh, yeah. it really is a really cool spot. It was very relaxing what projects do you have upcoming that you're really looking forward to? Like how far in advance do you plan all of your different trips? Uh, the trips are planned pretty far out. Um, many times I need to have campground reservations and I'll book those like six months out. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll get the Redwoods coming up. Um, I'll do a backpacking trip somewhere to Southern Utah where I won't get swept down a river or get attacked by a bull. <laughs> same, same spot, but we'll, we'll try not make or, that happen. Or so the plan goes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing too, which is kind of, came up is actually have a book coming out too. Yeah. I was, Um, I wanted to ask you about the book. Tell tell us about this because this is a, this is a pretty big project. Yeah. So it's, it's being produced by Kozu books in the UK and uh, they do all these really awesome, um, art photography books. And, uh, they reached out to me about doing a book and it's something that I had had on my mind for a while now, so much to the point I even came up with a title for it back in like 2014. Um, I want to call it between the wind because that's something that all my photos have in common. I'm always sitting there kind of waiting for that break in the wind to, you know, start the exposure because oftentimes the shutter speeds are kind of long and leaves are moving and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they reached out to me about creating the book and it's now in the works. And, uh, so it'll basically be, uh, many of my images for the past decade, uh, which is how long I've been doing the, the large format stuff. And it's a lot of pages to fill, especially with large format where you don't shoot a heck of a lot. Um, but now I do have enough images to actually, you know, fill the pages and make the book. And actually, it went on pre-order today, and it should be shipping sometime in June. Um, but yeah, it's I'm pretty excited about it. It's I think there's something so special about seeing, you know, photos in a book form, but also, you know, a whole collection of stuff spanning a decade. Um, that's that's kind of kind of a cool. It's like a you know, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a nice way to cap off, uh, you know, the first 10 years or so of, of working with the uh, landscapes and, and working on film and all that. Yeah, it represents a lot of time that you put into it for, for those who oh, yeah. want to check it out. Where would, where would we go to check that out? Would it be your website? Yeah. So if you just go to my website, benhorn.com, um, you'll, you'll see it linked to on the first page. It'll take you to the, the Kozu books website. Um, but yeah, there'll be like a standard edition and then there's a collector's edition, which has a, also a slip case and there's also a print included with it as well. Um, oh, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool project and I'm, I, it's already starting to take shape, but I'm really looking forward to see that final result and kind of see everything together. So I think that'll be, I think that'll be really special. There's something so cool about seeing all of your work collected in a physical book. That's just like, oh, yeah. you know, a portfolio you can change all the time and like put things in and out, but like having an actual printed snapshot of your experience, that's gotta be something incredible. 
Oh yeah. And also the process of, you know, you know, seeing the images that pair really nicely with each other and you can have it where, you know, images on facing pages and you can, it just kind of gives a whole different perspective on those photos and they kind of play off each other. So it's, it's like this whole nother level of creativity when something gets, you know, bound in, in book form. So yeah, yeah so I'm, the saying I'm, goes, I'm looking for it. No photo is complete until it's printed. Very true. That sounds good to me. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. So what would you say, uh, what, what, what advice would you give to, to people who are wanting to do more, um, you know, wanting to see more, wanting to experience more, go, go to parks, maybe take pictures with somebody who's on the edge waiting to take that leap, Chris, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, as we, Chris, Chris and Joe's trip to whatever needs to happen in the future. But um, what, what would you say to people who maybe haven't done this yet, but like, you know, maybe they watch your videos or they, they, they see pictures online and they're like, oh, I really, I wish I could be the person experiencing that. What would you say is keeping them from, from doing that? What advice would you give them? I would say one of the important things is to spend a lot of time in one particular area instead of just jump around from place to place. Um, when, when I first, uh, the first trip I really took to Southern Utah, um, when I was interested in photography, um, a friend of mine was, was getting married. And then, so my wife, my, my now wife, then girlfriend, we took this big kind of trip throughout the, the Southwest and just to kind of get a feeling for the area. And I didn't get any photos that were great on that trip, but I did get a pretty good overview for the area. You know, I, I learned what areas to sort of target on other trips then. Um, and some of those areas I haven't been back to since that trip, but some of the areas I've been back to many, many times. But from that one sort of overview trip, then I just would target specific areas. And I just spent like a week there and instead of just, you know, trying to hit up all these particular areas, just, you know, spend time in one area and really get to know the area. Um, and I think that's where the better photography comes from when you build a, a relationship with that area you learn what to expect. You learn what is truly special about it. Um, so that, I think, has been key. I, I like to spend at least five days, somewhere between five and ten days at a location. Um, and, and that really does help. And also just returning to areas. I find that I get better and better photos from locations the more time you know, I return to these areas. So, And I think that kind of goes against a little bit of what of landscape photography seems to be about these days where people just go to these hot spots where, you know, the icons, they go from one place to the next, um, but not really spending enough time just to truly get to know an area. And it could be an area close to home. It doesn't have to be some exotic place. Um, but I, I think that's key is to, to build that relationship with that area. Um, but the overview trip is also kind of an important thing first too, to figure out what areas you actually want to get to know. Yeah. I, I like that you pointed out that it's really good to, not just hit the highlight areas too. I, I think that that's actually like vital to to getting to knowing the area and feeling like the trip is just is is your own and not just a a, a tour. You know, yeah, that, that, that's really sure. easy to do that and just and miss and out. And also on just the to gems. follow the yeah, and, and and I think part of you know you, you don't want to like you said you don't want to miss out on those 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 smaller scenes and I think the key is to follow your curiosity as well. You know, you see something kind of cool, you know. Uh, if if it's an area where you can get to it, if it's an area where that's fine, you know, go go check it out, you know. Um, but you follow that curiosity, and I think that'll kind of lead you to some some pretty cool subjects as well. Um, and and that's that's why some of my favorite photos are just some 
photos of small things on the ground that people may have just walked right past. Um, and those scenes change really rapidly to the next day. It might be completely different. Um, so there's almost like an endless supply of really cool things to shoot. And sometimes it's stuff on the ground that, that can be some of the best subjects out there. It's really cool. In, in kind of wrapping up here, cause we, we've been at this a little while. I appreciate your time. What are your, what, what are you, what are you hoping to like, where do you see yourself going forward? I'm, I'm assuming that you, you said that the end goal is to make this full-time thing. Um, but yeah. like, what else, like, do you foresee any trips maybe out of the country or, uh, do you want to do more books? Like what, what are your, what are you shooting for? Um, I, I think the the main goal with all this is, I mean, it's certainly to do it full time. Um, and I'm pretty close to that. I should, by this time next year, I'll, I should be doing this full time. Um, but I think the main goal is just to have it not be work. That, that's just what it comes down to. It's a fantastic like, I don't want goal. To see <laughs> wow. That is about as good as it gets. Yeah, I, I want, and that's all the decisions I've made with regard to like the YouTube stuff, the video stuff, all that stuff. I've gone down that road because it was something that I enjoyed. And so if, if there's ever anything that comes up that I'm like, ah, oh, this feels like this is going to be work, you know, I, I'll usually make the decision to kind of go a, a different route. Um, and so that's, that's the whole thing. I, I don't really have any desire to travel abroad, um, just because with the large format stuff, that would be a major hassle. So I, you know, there's tons of stuff in the, the Southwest and across the U S I can drive to and camp and, and do all that. And it's, um, the States have a lot. The United States oh, is, yeah. a, is a huge area. Yeah, and, and once you find a cool area, you could just keep exploring that area. I mean, there's areas I've been exploring for 10 years and I still haven't seen all of. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just kind of doing more of the same, getting to know areas, uh, checking out a few new areas as well. Um, but just kind of keep at it and just keep it fun and, and make it where it's not work. I think that's kind of the, the, end, uh, the end goal of it all. Nothing, nothing more profound than that, really. Uh, sorry, that just got me thinking because that's <laughs> yeah, that very, very insightful. I mean, end goal to make it not be work. Yeah, that's great. I think it's a dream for everyone, right? You know, you just want yeah. you want to pursue something and and find a way of of making it. And the thing too is, I I didn't pursue photography at first because I feared that it would take something I enjoyed and made it it would make it into work. Um, so I, I purposely avoided photography for a long time in terms of you know making it a career monetizing choice. it. Yeah. And, and then it just kind of years by years, it just has kind of evolved and, and grown a little bit. I think it's because of those decisions of intentionally avoiding things that, you know, would take something I enjoy and make it into something I don't enjoy. Because I, I know a lot of photographer friends that um, they don't even want to pick up their camera sometimes because they associate that camera with, oh, I got this thing I got to shoot or something else like that. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get burnt out. And that's that's something that even after 10 years, I have not gotten burnt out with, uh, with the large format landscape stuff. I mean, I can get burnt out on a trip if I stay in the field too long. That just gets physically exhausting. But um, after a couple of months, I'm like, ah, I want to get back out there again. You just made me second guess so many of my career choices, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the tricky thing is finding a way to make it pay, you know, find yeah. a way to pay the bills with it. And that's, I think that's the ultimate, the ultimate challenge with it. And for that, I think it's, the key is to, to be true to yourself, um, to try to, you know, some people will try to, you know, game the system and you know, try to, you know, the, make things happen quickly. And that's, that's never a good route. Kind of like the people who, you know, weave through traffic to try to get there faster than everyone else. And they just end up getting their same speed as everyone else. So I think just kind of the slow, long-term approach of just making those decisions that 
but keep it fun, keep it enjoyable, but then just doors kind of open up along the way. That was beautiful. That's, that I don't was know. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I think we peaked as a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> ben, why don't you tell us where our listeners can find your work, repeat your website and, and also your YouTube as well. And anything, anything else you want to tell them? Yeah, so just uh, benhorn.com, and that's B-E-N-H-O-R-N-E.com. And that'll link to YouTube and everything on there. And then on, on Instagram, I'm Benhorn Photo. Twitter, I'm Benhorn. Uh, okay. like and we'll put that in the show notes as well, yeah. now that we have something yeah. to put in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It's been incredibly insightful. I loved hearing your stories and your your motivations and your work ethic. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's, cool. it was interesting to like... It was interesting to get to know somebody through this medium, you know, because it was kind of like, hey, Ben, we've never talked before. <clears throat> okay, we're going to record Tell now. Tell us about your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was fun. I, I always enjoy these these conversations because something, you know, there's, there's something new every time and, and I definitely appreciate that. All right. Great. Well, thank you again. Sure thing. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this special episode of Boca Banter. Be sure to leave us a rating in iTunes, Google Podcasts, or whatever method you have for listening to podcasts. If you have ideas for future topics for this podcast or other photographers you'd like to see us talk with, let us know in the comments. We'll see you next time on Boca Banter.